So then coming back from that and having to set up like the COVID tests myself and get myself to races and figure out all the logistics myself. And then kind of, there's just so much ownership on you or onus on you and so much that goes into it that by the time you get to the race, you're completely exhausted because you've been chasing all of these things all week. of Yeah No For Sure, I meet with Canadian cyclocross racer Ruby West. We had a lot of fun talking about the niche sport of cyclocross and Ruby's wonderful experiences of staying motivated, mindful, and appreciating where this incredible sport has taken her. Some of our tangents include crashing into a world champion racer, cheese racing, and bowling. I hope you have fun listening to this episode. So the sanctuary up the road, we used to go to and we fostered a donkey there when I was younger. So my parents would pay like whatever, 20 bucks a month or something. And then we'd go on the weekends and brush this donkey. So that age that I liked them, but just forever, I thought they were the funniest animals. And so I kept, as soon as we moved to this farm, I was like telling my parents we needed a donkey. And then a local farmer that they know has donkeys. And so we, we love to go and visit them. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, so he has two donkeys and they just had a baby. All of a sudden a baby showed up and he's like, I only want two donkeys. Do you guys want this one? So we're getting a little baby donkey someday soon, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> Amazing. You know, just yeah. every day you wake up and you're, and you just say to yourself, I'm going to own a donkey one day and exactly. it's happening. <laughs> and I think it was like, as soon as I put it in my Instagram bio too, I wrote it down and then like a month later. So I had to put it out into the world clearly. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That is truly manifestation right there. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. It's hilarious. I'm going to start doing more of it, I think. (laughs) Uh, Well, congratulations on your new donkey. I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long time coming. I've worked really hard for this, so I'm pretty excited (laughs) about it. (laughs) Well, okay. So I guess we should introduce you. Um, (laughs) Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Yano For Sure, a podcast where we learn about how complex an athlete's mind can really be. I'm Quincy Rozo, former competitive swimmer and currently studying mental performance of sport in Vancouver, Canada. With me, as you've heard, I have um, Ruby West, a Canadian cyclist from Hamilton, Ontario, right? Is that where you're traditionally from? Wonderful. Um, Ruby was the U23 Pan American cyclocross champion and recently came back from the cyclocross world championships in Belgium. Welcome, Ruby. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, Well, over Zoom, kind of. Yeah, (laughs) close enough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I'm not sure about people who are listening, but cyclocross is not a very well-known sport that I know of. So how about you give us just a Coles notes about what cyclocross is and what you can expect when we're watching someone race? Yeah, so I think you're right. It's pretty... um, unpopular, I would say. So uh, traditional cycling, like cyclocross is not an Olympic sport, a non-Olympic discipline. So I think that's why it is less popular. Um, But it is essentially a combination of road and off-road cycling. So you ride kind of this hybrid bike that's not really meant to do what it does, but you make it work. And um, (laughs) it's off-road mostly. um, And it's mud, it's sand, it's dirt, it's running with your bike. It's kind of like an obstacle course on your bike, mostly riding your bike, but lots of running and obstacles and barriers and stairs and whatever the weather conditions throw at you. So it's 
uh, unpredictable and crazy. And that's why I love it. <laughs> that sounds so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it is super fun, but some days insanely miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you said that you run or the races run in all weather conditions, right? Like, how do you prepare yourself for that? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that you do. I mean, we kind of train year round. So we, I like to train as much as I can on those miserable days. I mean, I don't like to, but it's good practice too. So sometimes when it's raining outside, my coach will say, okay, go ride off road today and get muddy and like practice those skills because yeah, that's something you can't really recreate unless you're actually doing it. Um, but yeah, some days it is just so miserable and like those cold, <laughs> cold days. Cause it's, uh, the season goes through the winter. Um, so yeah, some days when we're racing in Canada, it's snowy and you're, you can't feel your hands or we had a race this year that was during like this hurricane storm with like crazy winds that like, they couldn't even have the start finish. Like there's normally like this banner thing that hangs above the road and they had to like take all the infrastructure down because it was so windy. So we had that kind of what, like it just, it's crazy, unpredictable, always insane. <laughs> oh my goodness. I guess it's uh, a good thing that you live in Canada too, right? Because you get all of the weather or the different types of seasons, right? It, do you find that the sport is more popular in all weather countries? Um, that's a good question. I think, well, it's certainly not as popular in Canada. Um, in the U S there's a bit more of a presence for it. Um, like with more races and more teams and more participants in general in cycling in the U S. So it follows that trend, but, um, the, the main, like the hub for cyclocross or where it was born at least was over in Europe. And so kind of in the Benlux, like Belgium, uh, Netherlands, France, Italy, kind of those areas. So they get the cold weather and the rain and stuff, but generally not as much snow. So over there, even though it's done throughout the winter, um, generally speaking, it's like rain is the, the coldest weather condition they get. Sometimes they get like a snow race and everyone freaks out, but definitely being from Canada is good preparation for sure. I'm also interested how you even got into this sport. I, I knew that you, you swam and you did some other sports before that, but what was the turning point? Do you think that you found cyclocross or, or just cycling in general? And you're like, this is the one for me. Yeah. So I was, um, I think around 12 years old and at my middle school, this local cycling team came in and kind of did this pitch for their cycling team. And I was like, cycling, that seems like weird. Like I grew up riding a mountain bike with my parents and my brother. And like, I was always left behind and literally hated riding bikes so much. Like my dad would have to tie his <laughs> shoelace to mine to like, get me to his shoelace from his bike to my bike to like pull me to school when we were riding our bike so hated it um but at the time I was swimming so I had a bit of fitness and like immediately was like well I'll give this a try it seems cool you know it's different and so picked it up pretty quick like had quite a bit of success with it kind of when I started locally um and like in the youth races and then I realized what it was like to like enjoy a sport <laughs> like I was swimming at the time and really didn't like it and I'm a pretty social person too so I think the group of athletes that was at that group I really enjoyed and I was able to it, it was like this hanging out but you're riding your bike and that's what I loved about it like the social aspect that you could be training but you're still training with your friends and talking to them and all of that stuff so um yeah so I raced on the road for a bit when I started and did some track and then um when I first heard of cyclocross was through one of my friends who's American who came up to Canada to do a road race up here and she 
kind of was telling me about it and she raced at the time. And as I said, it's a little bigger in the States. So she had been doing some of the bigger races down there and she kind of told me about it. And I was like, yeah, that seems, that seems pretty cool. I think I'd like to try that. But it was like kind of a fluky thing because if I didn't meet her, like there definitely isn't as much of a scene up in Canada here and not as many races. Like there's youth races or local races, but not in the level that there is in the States. So by knowing her, I was able to go down and go to those races with her and have a place to stay and kind of learn the ropes from someone who knew what they were doing, as opposed to just kind of flying solo down there. So it was, yeah, the perfect kind of coincidence, the perfect storm that, that brought me to it. (laughs) Oh, I really love that. And so would you call this friend, like one of your bigger mentors in this sport? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So she's two years older than me. And when we first, I think we first met at that race that she came up to, to race in Canada and she's had so much success. Like she's going to the upcoming Olympics and she's had so much success on the road. And now she does track and throughout her career has had so much success, but we just became like instant best friends as well. So it was really cool to be able to be such close friends with someone, but also learn from them and like, yeah, it's just, it's a crazy experience. And now even like I'm doing a little bit more track racing and kind of transitioning to that a little bit. And she did made that transition about three or four years ago in preparation for these Olympics. So it's interesting, like having those conversations with her again, it still feels like someone that I look up to, but it's also like just my genuinely best friend. So it's a, it's an interesting relationship, but it's like the best of both worlds. That's really popular within just the sport culture, you know? you're surrounded by people that you enjoy being around all the time. And when you're an elite athlete, you're going to be spending so much time with those people. right? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was like a huge draw to cycling for me is the cool places we were able to go and race. And like, you'd actually see like the area or the city you're in, like, cause I was used to swimming and I would just do them locally here, but the inside of a pool but with cycling you get to go out and even in the race you're like looking around and seeing these beautiful views and getting to talk to people and yeah I just like the sense of community was really really cool and drew, drew me in yeah that's great do you think you have a favorite course that you've ever raced or place that you've been yeah that's tough um my favorite cycle cross course is probably this one in Belgium called Nemur. It's kind of like the epitome of cycle cross. It's all things epic. Like it always seems to somehow be pouring rain <laughs> and be a miserable day. And it takes place on this beautiful um, citadel hill with this beautiful like old building at the top. Wow. And you climb all the way up and it's miserable. I hate it while I'm doing it, but looking <laughs> It's like the the most epic race and there's these huge descents. And I think it's probably one of my favorite because this year I had a really good race there and I've done it a few years now in a row. And the first year I went, I like did not think I could make it around the course. I was so stressed and so panicked because it's a very challenging course. And like, I was just so scared at that point. And the difference in skill from racing in North America, like the courses here technically aren't as hard. Um, And in Europe, they just kind of point you down a hill and say, go for it. And so when I was like 17 or whatever, going to Europe for the first time, and I see this course, I was terrified. And so having come back year after year and like having a good race there this year was like, it kind of felt like a full circle moment. So I'd say that one was probably one of my favorite courses. I love how you choose the one where you say that it's miserable when you're doing it, but I think (laughs) it's 
that's such an answer that I would get from an athlete because it's like, oh, you know, it was a worst experience when I was actually racing or when I was playing the game or something. But afterwards, you know, it's coming out of such a hard time, you know, and, and finishing such a hard course or, uh, or race where people are like, wow, I really enjoyed that. Like it's, it's a feat that you reach or like a goal exactly. that you reach. Yeah. And it just makes you feel like, so like, at least myself, I felt so personally proud of myself because it's like, okay, this is the hardest course of the year. And I was able to conquer that. Like personally, that just feels like such a victory and have a good race on that. And like, yeah, I don't know. There's so much, you're right. It's miserable, but it's also like, (laughs) it feels like the biggest success almost. Oh, I love that. So what do you think? I mean, how long do you think cyclocross races usually take? So they range anywhere from 40 minutes to this year. I had a few that were closer to an hour. So like 55 minutes. So 40 to 60 generally. Oh, okay. So it's like a full on distance sport. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so (laughs) what do you think, how do you stay motivated? You know, I mean, your experience at, uh, world championships, you know, you, you, face some challenges at the beginning of your race you say and um what do you think keeps you motivated for such a long time during a race yeah that's interesting because I think it probably changes each race um thinking about it like because so this year the race distances or the durations change based on the category you're racing in so most of the season I race in the elite category and then at world championships like um championship events so worlds or pan ams or nationals we get the under 23 category which last year was my last year in. So I've aged out of that now, sadly, which is still like, I'm processing that still, but you get to race for a little bit shorter because the younger. Um, but so I think it depends like on those shorter races, it's a lot easier mentally. Cause I'm like, okay, well, I've normally raced for 50 or 55 minutes. This is only 40. I can do this. But I think especially at worlds this year, it was kind of like, some days you have it and some days you don't. And some days you're prepared to like, because cyclocross is one of those sports that like things are, are going to go wrong. It's inevitable. It's like, you can't have like a perfectly executed race. No one does. And especially really challenging courses. It's like you go in with the mindset of, okay, things are going to go wrong, but I'm going to handle them as well as possible. And some days you're better equipped to handle those failures or those mistakes than others. And so worlds this year was definitely one of those races where just like first lap, first corner, I was stuck behind a crash. And then the second corner and the other one, and like by three minutes into the race, I'd lost a minute on the leaders. And like, it was just one of those days that I, couldn't seem to get through those like mistakes. Cause some races you start and you make a mistake and you're like, all right, nothing to lose. Might as well just go crazy. And sometimes that's the best race. But now I think because worlds, I had such high expectations for, as soon as things started going wrong, I kind of wasn't in that mindset of like continuing on past those like failures or those mistakes. It was more like, oh my God, things aren't going perfectly. Like what is happening? This is what I've dreamed about for a long time. So it's kind of more of a panic. Um, so that probably wouldn't be the best race to look at for, like, <laughs> getting through that, that, that um, mental struggle. But definitely I think a lot of the races I find myself like, especially like the one we just talked about that hardest course many times in that race, I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop. Like this is yeah. too much. So <laughs> Definitely like runs through my head. Um, And I think if you ask many people out there on those days, they would say the same thing. Um, But I think a lot of the time I'm just like 
reminding myself of how hard I've worked or if we're like halfway through the race, like why would I throw away a great first half of the race by Mm -hmm. stopping now? And so it's a lot of like bargaining with myself, I think. And as I've gotten like more experience in the sport, I've worked with like a sports psychiatrist. So she's helped me like come up with some strategies of like, okay, this is what you'll focus on during the race. But a lot of times it is really just that bartering with myself of like, don't give up. Okay. Like, you know, all these people would be mad at you, which isn't true, but like sometimes you just have to tell yourself that. So it's like, yeah, giving myself no opportunity to have those excuses, right. like to take myself up on those excuses. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes during races, you need to give yourself some tough love. I totally get that. As a swimmer, I mean, I'm a sprinter, so I am giving you so much sympathy. I can't exactly empathize with you, <laughs> uh, just because my endurance is not as good as yours. But, um, I definitely understand like when you're in the middle of a race, that's just not going well, or you're mm-hmm. just so exhausted. You need to tell yourself, you know what? You've worked too hard to just give it all up. Mm-hmm. So I exactly. completely agree with you there where, yeah, it's, it's that self-talk that you learn to, um, you know, like when people say, you know, what would you say to your friend? It's at that yeah. moment you have to say it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I like to remind myself also in some of those tough situations, like, everyone else is facing the same conditions you are the same course the same everything like they're suffering just as much so why would you like you never know what they're thinking the person right in front of you maybe they're thinking like as soon as you pass them maybe that's their last draw and then they're done you know so it's kind of like that battle that you never know what else is going on so you might as well keep pushing forward and yeah I actually had a sports psych once trying to give me some tips for positive self-talk and that works really well sometimes but a lot of the time I found that like negative self-talk works better for me (laughs) and just like kind of insulting myself so that to kind of just push through because sometimes yeah you're right you need that like tough love that's like nope Mm -hmm. nope because it's so easy to just like in the moment, either give up or just like let off. But you know, after the fact, you're going to be so upset with yourself if you do. So yeah, sometimes you just have to completely not create that space for those excuses. Do you think that there's a moment where you kind of turn the corner and you're like giving yourself negative self-talk, but then there's a point in the race where you're just like, wow. And you're very appreciative of just where you are in the moment. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe not during the races as much, but (laughs) maybe after, like, it's honestly a really extraordinary sport. And I feel really lucky that I get to do it because it's so unconventional and so many people don't know about it. Um, but I would say a lot of times that comes in pre-ride for me. So on our race days, we have like, we'll race at 1 PM or something. And so at 10 30, you'll go out and check out the course because they change them ever so slightly each year, or it's a course you've never ridden before. And so I think a lot of times if I'm feeling good on the course or, you know, you're just rolling around and you see the world champion next to you, or you're like laughing with someone that like won the world cup the week before. And it's kind of like that sense of camaraderie of like, we all know what we're about to get ourselves into, but like, and everyone's the fiercest of competitors when the race starts. But there was like a few times this year when I was in Europe that we would all be standing at a feature, like 
uh, I don't know what to do here. And then you real, that's like the human element of it. You realize like, oh, the world champion is also scared of this and doesn't know how to approach it. And like that sense of camaraderie when you have those moments and you're all just like staring at each other, like who's going to try this. Um, <laughs> I think those are kind of the moments that make me really love the sport and like really appreciate what I'm doing. It's definitely very humbling. I feel like. For sure. Yeah. That's the perfect word for it. Yeah. Um, did you ever have a starstruck moment? Oh, for sure. I can remember actually this popped right into my head, but the first time I went over to Europe, I was like this little 16 year old that probably shouldn't have gone yet. Like was not ready to race (laughs) over there, but I took the first chance I could. And I was doing, I went over for two races, the one, the race, the final world cup before the world championships. And then the week later was world championships. And I was pre-riding the course and I was with one of my teammates, the Canadian rider. And I thought he was with me still and was riding behind (laughs) me. And so we were kind of like joking around and I like turned into him who I thought was him. Um, and it ended up being the, the male elite world champion at the time. And he crashed oh my gosh. <laughs> and he fell over. And I just looked back and I, he like got up right away and just kind of laughed and was like, what was that? And I just remember just like wanting to crawl into a hole. And my <laughs> friend who I thought it was at the time saw it all happen. and was like, what did you just do? So it was like one of those, I'd never seen that guy in person before, but obviously like dreamed about watching him race forever and the first interaction I'd ever first time I've even seen him in person I'm crashing him like it was the funniest moment of like starstruckness but also the best moment of like oh yeah they're human too like he's just gonna laugh that off and so I think that was like super super cool (laughs) it was so funny though it still makes me laugh just treating you know the world championship as your best friend (laughs) yeah exactly right (laughs) Yeah, he's just out here doing the same thing as us. It's no big deal. Because <laughs> that's just a really funny story. I love that. I know, right? It's so like, it's like if you, for the first time, saw Michael Phelps and you like, I don't even know what the swimming equivalent would be, but like just completely made a mess of it. And so, yeah, it it's drilled into my head. <laughs> just, I mean, you're at the top of your sport in Canada and just hearing something like that, I feel like would be just, I don't know, inspiring to the younger athletes in Canada who are in your sport, you know, oh my gosh, if Ruby West gets starstruck. Yeah. I think we're all fans of the sport at heart and fans of like, mm-hmm. yeah, even this year, um, there was a few experiences that like, I just chatted with like people that I've looked up to forever. And it's like incredible because yeah, you'd think at this point, like I've raced against them for years, but it, it never really goes away that like sense of respect and like looking up to them. But yeah, those human moments are really, really cool. It's, it's magical almost realizing that like, oh yeah, they're just like, yes, that's really cool. <laughs> like you being the top, you know, female athlete in cyclocrosser, just like cycling, I feel in general, what's a challenge that you find just in, in the support for your sport, you know, compared to mainstream sports, you never I mean, I personally just never see it on the media and, you know, being advertised as much. So yeah, what's the challenge that you find with that? For sure. Um, So I think there's a bunch of challenges for sure. One would be that cycling may like primarily is a male dominated sport and has been forever. Like it started, if you asked a person on the street, if they know about bike racing, they'd say, oh yeah, the tour of de France or whatever. And like, so everyone instantly goes to men racing up mountains, you know? So it's, um, it's always in, 
always been a struggle for women to have those same opportunities and the same respect and teams and money and all everything across the board. So um, that would be definitely like the first point. Um, but I think for cyclocross, it adds another layer because it's not an Olympic sport. So I think that it gets a lot less recognition because it, yeah, it, it doesn't have that Olympic games. And so it, it doesn't get in Canada, it doesn't get, um, government funding. And in a lot of countries, that's the same, um, because like the government, hands out funding based on potential for Olympic medals. Right. So obviously there is none if you're not in the Olympics. So that is a challenge for sure. So cycling Canada does a great job at supporting us, but they do what they can with what they have and what they have is very little. Um, so that is a huge, huge starting point for why there is so, so little support. Um, and I think the media recognition is starting to increase, but of course, like there is no, like there's a huge flash and like um, starstruck kind of like part of the Olympics, you know, like when you say the Olympics, it's got this catch to it, right? And everyone knows what that is. So I think without having that, it kind of doesn't have as much limelight, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, cyclocross is definitely lacking in support, but it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Like there isn't enough money in it because there isn't enough people in it, but then how are more people going to, you know, so it's been forever, this kind of challenging thing. And so, yeah, I recently um, have kind of integrated a little bit into the Canadian track program, the track cycling. So it's been interesting to see with that, like that's an Olympic sport and that's the goal with it is to eventually, hopefully go to the Olympics with that. Um, and so it's interesting already, like the difference in support that I rec see there, like with the track cycling, you have a whole team of coaches and staff and mechanics and so many people behind you and it's it's incredible because it makes you realize like what high performance is like they're there to help you because it takes a village and everyone recognizes that but so they're able to do that you know because they have the funds and so it's kind of interesting when I look back at cross after having that experience like it it kind of makes me impressed that everyone is able to do as well as they are without all of that help um because it's a lot more of like making it on your own and roughing it and less than ideal circumstances and kind of cobbling together support where you can so it it's humbling for sure but it also kind of is crazy because you almost have like more ownership in your results and your success there because you know that you're the one doing it and not to take away from like people that are well supported. Like, obviously that is the dream and I would never change that, but um, yeah, it's just kind of, it, it brings about different kind of feelings about it. I would say. Mm -hmm. Wow. I didn't even think about the non-Olympic aspect of that you know that's a double right? whammy <laughs> yeah. yeah it makes such a difference and I think as outsiders either from cycling or in sport in general no one really sees those things and so yeah you, it makes you realize that like there's a reason behind all of these things and so like yeah you go down the pipeline and you see oh, okay of course cycle cross doesn't have as much support or money or like newsworthy like attention because you look upstream and like that's that's why <laughs> right but, you know, you work just as hard, if not harder than uh, like all the other athletes who are going vying for the Olympics, you know, and you deserve 
to be supported in your goals to whatever, even if it's Olympics, world championships, if it's a local competition, you know, like that's just really interesting to me. Um, how do you think that affects your performance? You know, you say that you're starting to see the differences between track and cross. What that, that lack of support or I guess change in support, how that affects your performance in, in your races. Yeah, I think hugely. I mean, it's super interesting because that kind of was magnified to me this past year, especially. So I raced for a Belgian team in Belgium and a combination of factors, but primarily the pandemic had a big effect on this season. And so the support was completely different than anything I'd ever experienced. And I mean, the communication with like foreign individuals, like people that were, didn't speak as much English or all of these things, like kind of change that dynamic and that support. So even though my team, like they were trying their best, there's still like that level of challenge between, cause mm-hmm. you can't really communicate very well. So, um, this year, the pandemic, especially like you were only allowed to have a certain amount of staff at races or all of these things. So this year, that's to say this year, I really struggled with the support component of it. And especially being all the way across the world alone was a big challenge as well. So then coming back from that and having to set up like the COVID tests myself and get myself to races and figure out all the logistics myself. And then kind of, there's just so much ownership on you or onus on you and so much that goes into it that by the time you get to the race, you're completely exhausted because you've been chasing all of these things all week. So I definitely experienced that a lot this year and it was frustrating because it, it reflected in my results. Like I wasn't showing up to races ready to race because I'd been doing all of this other like full-time job pretty much of work. So now that I've kind of done some more work with the track team, it's crazy because I'll show up and like, you just feel completely spoiled. And it's the best thing ever. Like the first little bit, they were all kind of like, Ruby, like, we've got this, we'll do it. Like go ride your bike, you know? And so it's funny because I think it's interesting for them because they're used to athletes that I mean, are used to that support. So they, they know how to handle it. And I'm coming in still like trying to do everything for myself. And they're like, no, back off. Like this is our job. Your job is to ride your bike. And so for me, that's a little different. Um, and of course it's incredible, but it's taking some adjusting because now I'm like twiddling my thumbs, like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) But it's also incredible because it allows you just to completely focus on your, your athletic performance and your preparation and your training and your racing and all of that. So I think obviously it's the ideal setup, but it's just such a contrast. So (laughs) it's pretty funny. It makes me incredibly grateful for the support, having kind of the lack of support. It's kind of, I feel just completely spoiled. So it's pretty cool. And you're like, what do I mean? I just train. <laughs> I know, right? It was it was so funny when I first showed up. They're like, you know, we do this for you. And I was like, right. no, no, you don't. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I love that so much. And and so what types of things do you mean by they do it for you? Like, is it like fixing your bike? Like mm-hmm, that kind yeah. of support? Totally. So um, with the track team, yeah, I recently got fitted on one of the national team bikes. So um, now the bike stays at the track and I go in and like, I'll, I get it ready in the morning when I'm there, but um, if the mechanics aren't there, if they are, they'll help out. Um, They kind of deal with all of the stuff. Like if we're doing training camps or racing, they'll help us with all of that. 
Um, and then just like, so the physical support on, on site at the track is amazing, but then also it's like the collection of support staff that we have. So we have like program managers that do all of the logistics and, um, book flights and, um, coordinate everything. (laughs) And then there's nutritionists, there's physio, there's massage therapists, there's strength coaches, there's biking coaches, there's all of these staff that are all there to just help you be your best. And it's crazy because like all of those components before I'd kind of been individually sourcing and now to be part of like this group of, of support is incredible because they all talk and then they all try to make plans to help you in the best way possible. And they all build off one another and they all know each other. So it's all like interconnected. And it's honestly like, it sounds pretty standard for like athletes that are listening. They're probably like, yeah, that's how it works. But for me, it's so foreign. So it's, it's right. been incredible. Yeah. That's really interesting how just, you know, literally just across the waters into a different sport that mm-hmm. it, it's still the same level of competitions. You know, you're still going from one elite team to another elite team and just that contrast and how much that helps you. That's mm-hmm. really interesting and must be I don't know. You said it with cross, it's so individual in everything that you do. And, you know, you take on so much just for your own performance. Like that must be mentally exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It is completely draining. And that was like one of the biggest challenges I had last year. Like I would show up to the race and yeah, I had slept nine hours the night before or whatever. And I'd had a good workout the day before, but mentally I was so a nervous wreck because did I get my COVID test in time? Did I do this? Did I make sure that this person was paid? And did this person get the text that we had to meet at this parking lot? And all of the crazy things that you're just like, it's, it's insane how much that weighs on you. And so I got to the end of the season and I raced less than I ever have in a season this year. Like we did maybe 10 or 15 races when normally you do 25 or 30. And by the end of the season, I was more exhausted than I've ever been at the end of a season. Like I was so ready for that, that off time or that the off season, because that I think I have never had to do that much on my own. Um, because I've generally gone over with the Canadian national team before. And although we have to like pay for the Canadian services with the, with the cyclocross team, they still like deal with all the logistics. So it makes, I didn't really understand how much they do for us at the time until past year I went on my own. And so it, um, yeah, I got to the end of the season, just completely mentally exhausted and yeah, you don't factor in how much that actually makes a difference. And I never anticipated it making that much of a difference until this year. It was just this piece that I couldn't figure out. Cause I was like, why am I so tired all of the time? Why am I exhausted? Mm -hmm. Why can I not fight as hard as I normally do in these races? And it's like that level of mental exhaustion that just doesn't let you push as hard. It's like this just governor switch that just like completely shuts you down. So it's interesting. It's really cool. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, you know, you weren't, you weren't in school during that time, right? Or were you doing school? (laughs) Yeah, I was. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I was doing online courses. So that definitely did not help either. Good Um, for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it was a little overly ambitious, but honestly, it kind of was my saving grace this year because I was alone in Belgium during a countrywide lockdown. So what else are you going to do during your days? It's like train and then sit around and like worry and stressed about all these things. So it was kind of nice to have that outlet to focus on. Definitely. Well, I feel like, you know, 
obviously this year is completely different, but before COVID and before lockdown, when you had just your, well, half of your life was sport and then the other half of your life was school. How did you find time for yourself? (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) Or, you know, like, obviously you enjoy your sport, but like you said, there's sometimes where it's just miserable. It's exhausting. What do you do for yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say that my like support system is probably my number one go-to. So I have incredible parents and an amazing brother and an amazing boyfriend and this farm that I live on. And so I soon think to be a, a donkey. Lot, yeah, soon <laughs> to be a donkey here. So that's gonna be obviously a lot of time spent with her. Um, but I think a lot of like what grounds me and that me time is just being around those people that give me energy and support me that I can just be myself around, you know, like you don't have to worry about. Um, and so definitely that is one of my biggest rechargers, but then this year, obviously I didn't have that. So I think, again, that was something that wore on me when I was over there. Um, and being so far away from that. And another thing I generally do that I couldn't this year is like cycling is so cool because it brings you to really cool places. Like, I mean, maybe not cycle cross cause it's pretty like Belgian focused, um, <laughs> but Belgium can be a really cool place sometimes if you're there on a nice sunny day and the cafes are open and you can go take the train to a little town and get a coffee and walk around and appreciate the architecture and just like really being a tourist when you are halfway across the world and why would you not be, but that wasn't an option this year. So that's definitely something that I typically do. If I'm like with teammates or something, we'll go grab a coffee or wander around and really just like appreciate these really cool places that we get to go because of our bikes. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'm someone that really likes to explore and kind of get the most out of every opportunity. So that would be a big thing that I like to do. That's really great. And that's honestly the one of the best things about sport and just where it takes you, you know, and like you said, going like biking around. I mean, I'm not a cyclist, but I love just biking around and exploring. And the fact that you get to do that literally for like, I mean, your job, basically, (laughs) like that's really, really interesting. It's so true. And even like some of those days that it's like really hard to train or I'm unmotivated or I need a mental break, I'll like plan my training around that. Like, let's say the other day it was really cold here. And my mom was like, okay, well, why don't you go ride? Like the wind was going one way. So I just rode that way completely. Like I rode West and she picked me up and we went for a coffee in this cute little town. So like all of those sorts of things, like, obviously you don't always have someone to drive you home, but like (laughs) on a miserable day in Belgium, I would like, like plan a ride to either a nice, like view or some place that I wanted to explore because that's the cool thing about biking is like even when you're out training you're still out exploring and like you're out in nature and getting these beautiful sceneries and I love just looking around when I'm on my bike and I really try and pay attention to like what animals I'm seeing and is there a cool tree or like just all of these things that like really make you present and I think that it's really easy to just like put your music in and do your intervals and all of this stuff and like that was something I tried to focus on this year in Belgium when like things were pretty miserable I was like okay how can I make this ride enjoyable like let's ride by that that donkey that I know that's down the road <laughs> or like um I know there's this nice climb that has this nice viewpoint that I can go to so like all of those things like cycling is really cool in that sense because there's so much freedom you know Mm -hmm. and that's you know you just described mindfulness right that's Mm -hmm. something that I feel like 
everyone right now with all this uncertainty and um, in this year, we've been taught to, you know, stay present and be mindful of your surroundings. And that's just really cool how your sport is so like diverse and, and different every single time that you get to practice that all the time. You know, you get to practice yeah. being present and just focusing on what's around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really magical. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. Okay, so switch gears because now I'm interested. You went to Belgium and you yeah. love cheese. Oh, the best. So yeah. <laughs> did you try any like Belgian cheese? Is that a thing? Am I just, you know, um, I'm not a beer person, but apparently they do beer very well over there, mm-hmm. um, but cheese is maybe not their specialty. Um, so yeah, when I was over there, I would always try and find some foreign cheeses in the grocery store to <laughs> okay. snack on. <laughs> I guess what I think I'm thinking of is like those cheese races where they push a giant yeah, piece of cheese. Yeah, the wheel, Isn't that in Belgium? Probably would be. I'm sure <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all. That seems like something they would do. Um, but I haven't seen that in Belgium yet, but I've always <laughs> wanted to compete in one of those. I think it would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the new sport to get to. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm sure there's lots of money and fame in that one. <laughs> You've been all around the world with this sport and you talked about taking time for yourself by, you know, spending time with family. What's one thing that you're just so grateful that your sport has brought you? Oh, I would definitely say that people, like I was mentioning before, my best friend, Emma, um, I never would have met her if I wasn't riding a bike. Um, my boyfriend never would have met him if I wasn't riding a bike. So, and like most of my lifelong friends or like as long as I've been in the sport, like some of my closest friends are cyclists. And I think it just is one of those things that like, I'm sure you understand from swimming, like you go through such intense experiences with these people and they have the same experiences or the same lifestyle as you do. So it's just so conducive to having so much in common. Um, And so, yeah, I would definitely say the people like I've met the most amazing people and not even like necessarily like my best friends, but also like just cool people, like companies I've been sponsored by, like people that I've met that work there. Like, it's just such a cool community. And like, no matter what team you're racing for, like what country you're racing for, like everyone shares that love for a bike. And I think it's just such a cool thing. Mm -hmm. I totally relate to that with swimming. You know, one thing I find so fascinating about our sports in particular, or all individual sports is you're not part of a team, like, as in you're not competing with a team, you know, I'm not passing a ball to someone and you can't uh, give your success to other people per se, just because you're part of a team. But with our individual sports, it's so fascinating to me how we have such a close-knit community and you find so many people who have the same mindset as you, you know? So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's crazy too. you bring up a great point because like technically those people are your competitors, your teammates are still your competitors, you know? And it's crazy how close, like sure you can be the fiercest of competitors out on the course or in the pool, but then you laugh after the race because well in cycling at least you've gone through the same miserable conditions or you both went down and crashed on this hill and you can laugh about it so I think it's like that sense of those intense experiences that you've gone through that kind of bond you that no one else will have an appreciation for right you all are facing the same type of adversity and just coming Mm -hmm. out of that you know it's 
sharing those negative experiences and, you know, the positive experiences coming out of that hard, those hardships. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's something really special. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about this bowling club that you're a part of or were a part oh of. Oh my God. <laughs> That's actually the funniest story. So I really talked the talk on that one. And I showed up at university first year club day. And I was like, I'm going to join all these clubs. Like, cause I have so much free time, you know, being a full-time student and full-time bike racer. I'm not even here. Like most weekends I'm not here, but I'm going to join all of these clubs. So <laughs> I walk up and I'm like, Oh, cool. Bowling and beekeeping. Great clubs. I'm going to join both of these. And so I do. And I write my email address down. I chat with these people. I'm so excited. Cause like since then, my family's got bees on our property and I really wanted to learn, but they're not ours. Like, so we just kind of house them and then a beekeeper comes and deals with them. But I thought it would be the coolest thing to like learn how to take care of bees on your own and bowling. Like who doesn't love that? I was like, I need some friends. Bowling would be a great way to make friends. Um, I never heard back from either of the clubs. No, <laughs> They completely ghosted me. Like who knows if I wrote down my email wrong or something, but I never actually participated in the bowling or beekeeping club, which is probably my biggest regret to date. <laughs> oh no. I know what a tragic story. I seriously talked the talk on that one. Yeah. I, I wrote it everywhere. I was like, yeah, I joined the bowling club. No big deal. Like I'm cool. Yeah. I saw it on a couple of sites. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is Seems really interesting. I was with the bowling club for a while. I was trying to like get them to pay attention to me, clearly. Right. You were trying to manifest it just like the donkey, right? Yeah, it didn't work quite as well that time. <laughs> Never give up though. I'll keep trying. Maybe they'll come crawling back one of these days. Okay, well, we'll post this and at, at that school that you were at, bowling club. Yeah, the Bishop's <laughs> University Bowling Club. I bet you want me now. <laughs> exactly. where can our listeners find you yeah so I'm uh on Instagram and Twitter I believe both of those are at ruby two underscores west Uh, apparently it's a generic name that needs a lot of weird characters um and so yeah that's both Twitter and Instagram and those are kind of my main social medias I am looking at your uh I, I sound so creepy. I'm like, I'm not looking at your Instagram right now. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's more normal than you think I do it all the time. <laughs> You're a fast and female ambassador. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. That's an incredible organization. Yeah, I've heard about them. Like, I mean, I'm a female in sports, so <laughs> an important organization. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it is a, I believe it started, yeah, it was a Canadian organization. I believe they work in the States now too, but um, Chandra Crawford is the Canadian cross-country skier and she started this um, this organization to just keep more girls and women in sport because, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows the statistics that like girls drop out of sport way more than boys and especially like around puberty. So I think it's this organization that was created to kind of foster that love of sport just for girls. And um, it's kind of like they have these camps that are pretty much like day camps and it's summer camp and they bring in like some um, more experienced like ambassadors. And so they're kind of women from all different backgrounds of sport. They could be like a yoga instructor or we have like Canadian Olympians or um, like Chandra herself was like a gold medalist, I think in skiing. So crazy accomplished athletes, but just all that 
love being active and love sport. And so it's just these, they have these champ chats that they call them. And it's like a day of just so much fun. It is the most empowering and inspiring thing I've ever been a part of just seeing like all of these girls that just love sports still. And they're not too old to think it's like not cool to do. And they're not trying to impress the boys. Like it's just everyone just this pure excitement for being outside and being active. And so it's like the coolest organization ever. And yeah, I'm lucky enough to be an ambassador for them. So I've done a few of these like champ chats and gotten to meet so many cool little girls and it's just, it's filling a hole, you know? Oh yeah. And it's just keeping these girls motivated and inspired and giving them people to look up to and giving them like, access to that you know like you could go up to these chats and like have an olympian there and ask her like what her experience was and at for a 12 year old like i can't imagine how exciting that would have been at that age for me so yeah it's just it's so cool yeah it's an amazing organization oh yeah that's huge you know you're just surrounded by people who are passionate about sport like simply that you know and and that's so great and i completely agree with you like as a young athlete i remember you know, not having access to ask questions to like other female athletes in my sport. And it was just so hard to come by. So having an organization like that is just really something special. Yeah, absolutely. And they do them all across Canada. And like I said, I think maybe in the States now, um, but there's definitely some virtual stuff going on this year. So yeah, it's just incredible. It gives girls that access to just everyone. And like, I've seen so many girls like make friends at these camps and now they have new buddies to go play soccer with or to go pursue sport with, or they've just talked to their role model and like asked her what her favorite flavor of ice cream is. Like it's (laughs) just such pure fun and it's so innocent and inspiring and just lovely. So yeah, that's a really, really cool organization. Amazing. Well, everyone's going to have to go check that out. Fast and female charity organization. Well, Ruby, this has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. (laughs) Thanks, Ruby. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening to this episode. And please send me a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Podcast for updates and new episode teasers. See ya.